Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, thank you so much for being here. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Cody, and I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm just so grateful that really in the middle of summer that so many of you are here this morning to to praise our God. Who's here to praise our God this morning, not just to go through the motions? Come on. Hey, I want to I wanna, I wanna preach a, a message today that's near and dear to my heart. And uh, as some of you know, maybe heard, maybe it's the reason you came, but at the end of our service, we're going to be singing our very first renovation worship original song that we wrote. Come on. And uh, what's special about it isn't just that it's another worship song. Um, it's really a declaration of faith for our church. And, uh, and kind of the backstory to this was if you don't know, and maybe you're new here, we're only about a year and a half old. And about two years ago, we were praying for a building as we were getting ready to launch this church. And a man by the name of Pastor Steve Briggins gave us the opportunity to have a night here in this space right here. And uh, on that night, I shared kind of the vision and the heartbeat behind our church. And I preached from this passage in Daniel chapter three for the very first time in this place. And it was kind of the start of this is who we are and this is what we're about. And so as we've been just praying and seeking God and asking him, you know, what, what's, what's the words that you've, you've given us as a church? Where are the stories? Where are the miracles that we've seen happen over and over? What's the thread that you're speaking in each and every one of our lives? And I believe that what you're going to hear today later on is going to not only be a song you sing, but a declaration you live by. That's my prayer. And so today I want to start out and I want to read to you from Daniel chapter 3. And uh, if you're ready for the word of God, somebody shout, I'm ready. ready. Here's what it says. Daniel chapter three. We're going to start in verse 15. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm reading from the NIV version. It's the one I usually typically preach from. Uh, but here's what he says. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But here's the title of the song. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. How many of you want an even if faith? An even if faith. That's what we're going to be talking about today, but let's finish reading. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. The very word of God. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Even If, and I would love the opportunity to pray for you. And I don't know what you come in carrying today. I don't know why you got here. I don't know if you saw something on Instagram or Facebook. I don't know if a friend invited you. But no matter how you got here, I want you to know this is a church you can belong before you believe. And uh, 
And this is a place for imperfect people. And so if you came in with a lot of baggage, you came in with a lot of guilt, with a lot of shame, you haven't stepped foot in church in a long time. I just want you to know that this is the place that you're welcome. Amen. Come on, Renovation Church. If you call Renovation home, is that not the truth? And so I don't know if you just finished Starbucks or you just scarfed down a Krispy Kreme donut, but I came ready to preach and I'm excited. And so here's the thing. I don't want you just to consume information today. I want you to participate. I want us to have a little bit of church. And so as I preach today and you hear God speaking to you, don't be afraid to shout amen or, or that's good. And maybe if you're a little racist, you can say preach it white boy, whatever you got. Okay. But I want us to, I want us to. I want us to engage with the Word of God, and so we believe that our service isn't meant for you to just be quiet. It's meant for you to engage when God is speaking to you. So if you will, will you stretch your hand towards heaven? I'd love to pray for you. Father, I pray right now with under everybody, over everybody under the sound of my voice, God, that you would move as hands are lifted high as a sign of surrender, as a sign of being available to you. God, we thank you for being available to us. God, we thank you that we can surrender because of your sacrifice. And so God, I pray we don't just go through the motions today. God, I pray that we didn't just come in to feel good about ourselves. God, I pray we didn't just come in for a little self-help. God, I pray that we came in wanting to leave with something different. And what we know is that by your word, we can be healed by your word. We can be changed. It's only you. It's only Jesus that can change. And so, God, we invite you to do the work only you can do today. We love you so much in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Hey, hop off three people and tell them they look hot today. They look hot today. Husbands, if you're married, watch who you say that to. Watch who you say it to. <laughs> hey, awesome. Well, uh, hey, church, can we give it up for all of our first-time guests in the room today? Thank you for being here. You made it for our very first week of a new series we're kicking off, and we'll be talking about all summer long called Kingdom Influencer. And uh, we just really believe at our church that every single person in here has influence, that God has put some things inside of you. He's gifted you with some things. He's put some passions on your heart that weren't meant just for you, but were meant to help influence people for the kingdom. And so that's what we want to talk about over the next few weeks. But I, I wanted to ask you a question to kind of get you going a little bit. Who in here loves movies? Where's my movie people at? Like watching movies is a hobby for you. Come on, somebody. Um, I, I remember as a kid, I really grew up liking all kinds of movies. I liked comedies. I liked horror movies. I liked, you know, everything. I never really got into the sci-fi, but, you know, it's, it's cool if that's your thing. Um, but what I loved most, especially as a kid, was, was movies were like this experience. And, and what I mean by that is how many of you remember a little store called Blockbuster? Anybody? The kids these days don't know nothing about that. See, Blockbuster... The Blockbuster wasn't just like this place you walked into to hurry and find a movie and you were in five minutes and out in five minutes. Like that wasn't Blockbuster. Blockbuster was a Friday night experience. Can I get an amen? amen? Like you went in Blockbuster and you walked down the aisles. I mean, you're looking at every single movie. Like you're hoping somebody returned it. Remember that? They only had a couple copies. Like, oh, please, is it in the return box? You know, but Blockbuster, it was an experience. And I love it. And, and kids today, they just don't know. Now they just use Siri. Like, what's the best out right now? You know, it's like, what is that? I wish they'd bring Blockbuster back. I'm praying that it's going to come back one day. But, uh, but what I love about movies, I think the reason why is because I think they kind of help us, at least for a moment, kind of escape from reality and kind of relax our mind. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, what I love about them is especially a good movie. Every good movie has these, these lines in them that just stick with you. Now, I love the funny lines. I love the things that you can quote off at your friends and kind of laugh and get a good joke of. Matter of fact, um, so my favorite movie uh, for a long time before I was a Christian. Okay, let me hear you say. Let me let me let me say that I'm not endorsing this movie 
in any way whatsoever from the stage. Am I clear? All right, now let me just get real with you. My favorite movie for a long time was a movie called Step Brothers. And uh, love that movie. It's funny. I don't watch it anymore because I'm saved. And so if you're saved, it's too late for you. But um, I love the movie. And there's like all these crazy lines. Like I couldn't even tell you all the lines. Like I've had this ability to always be able to memorize and like quote things off for movies. But there's this one stupid line in that movie where they like, they're building the bunk bed and they got like all the room for activities. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and, and they get hurt. And one of them screams. He says, oh my God, there's blood everywhere. And they run in and it's a little scratch. And I love it because like my wife will tell you and some of my staff will tell you that y'all like, I promise you, when I just like, when I sneeze, when I drop something, when I cough, I at the top of my lungs, I'll be like, there's blood everywhere. And like people be like, what, are you okay? Every time, like I literally do it all the time to the fact, like my wife still, like I say it about everything and she'll be like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, Jessica, how many times do I gotta tell you? You know, and she's like, well, one day there's gonna be blood everywhere and I'm gonna ignore you, you know? But uh, I love the funny lines, but the lines I really love more than anything are the ones that people make when they're under a great amount of pressure, right? Like when the movie is kind of at its, at its pinnacle, at the climax of the movie, when they're under stress, when they're under adversity, when they're under pressure, what happens in those moments oftentimes is these famous words come out of them. And so, for instance, uh, many of you have heard of the movie Rocky, right? And in his greatest moment, he's like, Adrian, you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe Titanic, any Titanic fans in the house? Leonardo DiCaprio is officially, in my opinion, the best actor to ever walk the planet. But there's a line that he says in that movie, right? And he's like, never let go, Rose. Never let go. Never let go, Rose. And then Rose's line, just because we'll, we'll throw her in there with him. She's like, come back. Come back. It's like, maybe he could come back if you'd scoot over on that plank, Rose. There's a little bit more room. Amen? He didn't have to die. So, but, uh, but it's true, right? Like, when moments of great pressure happen... What comes out of you reveals what's really deep inside of you. And it's not just true for movies. It's, it's true for life too, right? Like when I think back to World War II, the, the Prime Minister Winston Churchill has this famous quote where he says, never, never, never give up. I think of a great kingdom influencer, maybe one of the greatest kingdom influencers we've, we've ever seen in our country is a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr., who at the pinnacle of racism where segregation is rampant, where his life is on the line. He stands up in front of a crowd and he says, I have a dream. And how many of you know, I want to be a part of that dream, making it happen because it wasn't just MLK's dream. It was Jesus's dream to reconcile all people back to himself. So therefore there is no racism in the kingdom of heaven, nor in this church. Amen. Amen. But I think the greatest kingdom influencer, the goat, the greatest of all time would be none other than Jesus himself when in his last moments on this earth, he is hanging on a cross with nails in his feet and nails in his hands and a spear in his side and thorns around his head. And he cries out these three words, it is finished. He didn't say it was almost finished. He said the sin that I am carrying, that it is finished knowing that three days later he was going to raise from the grave and prove it. Amen. And so let me ask you a question. What comes out of you when pressure is applied to you? Like in your moments of greatest challenge, in your moments of great, greatest adversity, in the moments you feel the most pressure, like when everything, when you feel like the, the weight of the world is on your shoulders, what comes out of you? 
Because it's in those moments, these defining moments of our lives that when all the pressure is on, when the heat is turned up, what comes out of you really reveals what's inside of you. And see, what I love about this story that we read in Daniel chapter three about these three, three guys is that in their greatest moment of challenge, when their life was on the line, something really powerful comes out of their mouth, something really special that I believe is more than just a mantra. I believe it's a way that our faith should look every single day. They cry in that moment, King Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us into the fire, but we know and we believe that our God is able, that he will deliver us from your hand, your majesty. I love how they throw that in there. They, he will deliver us, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we ain't gonna bow down. Now, this scene is an important one, I believe, in Scripture, and I think if any of you like, are making films or you're a filmmaker and you want to make a movie, I think somebody needs to make a movie about this because I think it would come like, second only to Passion of the Christ, right? like the Christian movies. All the rest of them, their acting's bad. They're way down there, right? But, but I think somebody's got to make this movie, but I, I need you to understand, oftentimes, it's like you, we just walked into the middle of a scene. Any of you ever walked into the middle of a movie, right, where you just walk in, you're like, oh, wow, this is a powerful moment, but you have no idea how they got there. Well, I want to kind of back up and I want to tell you about how these three guys end up in the situation where they're at. And it started before that with a guy named Daniel. And Daniel had this gift, this ability that God gave him in order to be able to interpret dreams. And so one day, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that, he, that was just bothering him because he couldn't understand what the dream actually meant. And so what happens is, is Daniel kind of steps up and, and he, he, he interprets the dream. And so as you can imagine, this is a unique gift. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he promotes Daniel. And at that moment, Daniel says, hey, hey I know you're going to promote me, but I want to I get a seat at the table for my three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so at this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are promoted with Daniel. And now they are given responsibility to oversee all the affairs in Babylon. Now, what you need to know about these three guys was that these three guys were Jewish. They had grown up in Israel, and Babylon was a powerhouse. Babylon was a godless, heartless, evil country. Like some of y'all think that we live in an evil country. It's nothing compared to Babylon. Like if you read the stories about Babylon and how they would treat people and what they would do, you'd be blown away. And so what happens is, is the Babylonians come in and they declare war on the Israelites and they, and they, they take them out. And so then they capture these three boys and now they are living in captivity under the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel, this is a big deal because Daniel gets them an opportunity by his gift to promote them. And so what I want to do today is, is I, want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea that we see in Scripture that these three boys have. That when, when their life is on the line, when they feel all of the pressure, what comes out of them really reveals what's inside of them. And so as you heard the story, these three boys have this moment where King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he declares a decree across the whole country. And the reason he declared the, the decree that everybody must bow down is because King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he constructed a 90-foot tall, 9-foot wide statue, an idol, and he said that whenever the DJ hits the music, you ain't going to dance, you're going to lay down, that you're going to bow down and you're going to worship you're going to worship. And all of a sudden, while everyone else is like, is bowing down, there's these three guys 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are, that are still standing. And they're like, hey, I can just imagine this, right? Like if it was a scene in a movie, you'd be like, hey, you're supposed to bow. Hey, down. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and they, just, they just stand there. Now I can imagine like, you know, every great movie, every, every great story, every name in scripture really comes with, with a personality. And I can just imagine, you know, you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I imagine Shadrach maybe because he's the first one listed that he's like the leader type. You know what I'm saying? Where he, maybe he's the one that is like so positive all the time, it makes you negative. You know, like when you go through something and like you just lost your job, they're like, it's okay, God's gonna do it. You're like, shut up, I just lost my job. You know, and they're like, everything's always positive. Like, this is awesome. It's like, the pandemic isn't awesome. You know, like the tornado wasn't awesome. Yeah, it is, because now we can rebuild. It's like, you're crazy. That's Shadrach. I imagine Meshach is kind of like the one who's barely saved, that still cusses a little bit, you know what I'm talking about? Like some of you where you like use scripture out of context to benefit yourself. And I just imagine like Shadrach, you know, he's over here like, come on, we're going to worship. And Meshach's like, yeah, come on, Babylon, you don't want none of this. Like we got you, Babylon, bring it on. You're going to learn today. That's Meshach. And then I imagine like Abednego, like he's, he's probably the one because some people call him Abednego. Some people call him a Billy Goat. They can't get his name right. And I just imagine he's the one that's a little nervous, you know, where he's like, I don't know, guys. Like, I know you're excited, but maybe we should, maybe we should just go ahead and bow. Shadrach and Meshach, like, shut up, Abednego. Get some faith, man. We're going to worship, you know? Like, this is the, the scene. Now, again, there's just me imagining this a little bit, but these personalities, and, and all of a sudden, as they stand up, there's these tattletellers that come along. How many of you remember the tattletellers when you were a kid? Bad news. Those tattletellers grew up, and they work with you now. And they are just waiting for you to mess up at your job so you don't get the promotion. More bad news, they actually sitting in church too. And I know it because, listen, after service, a lot of time I'll be down here and I'll just offer people, hey, if you want somebody to come and, and if, you want, if you want me to pray over you, you come. And what will happen all the time? People come up and I'll be like, hey, how can I pray for you? And they're like, hey, pastor, I just want you to know that your message today was, was just so good. And I'm like, thank you. And before I can even say thank you, they're like, for my neighbor. <laughs> because they was at the club last night at 2 a.m. Like, how do you know? Why was you up at 2 a.m.? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got tattletellers, but these tattletellers, they come up and they, they run to King Nebuchadnezzar and they're like, hey, the guys you appointed over everything in this country, all the affairs, they're not bowing down like the rest of us. And so King Nebuchadnezzar says, well, call them in. So they find themselves standing before the king and he says, Boys, you know the rules. When I hit the music, you're supposed to bow down. And that's when they say, you know, we don't got to defend ourselves against you. Our God is able. Write that down. Our God is able. I want you to get that in your spirit today. Somebody say that out loud. Say, our God is able. Our God is able. I think sometimes so many of us, especially those who are Christians and those who maybe follow Jesus, you've been following Jesus for a while. Like we know God is able, but we forget God is able. Like we know it and we'll say it, but we don't always live like God is able. And I just wanted to tell you that God is able to provide. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter six to not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink or what your drip looks like. My translation, what you're going to wear for those of you who are a little older, don't know what drip is. That's okay. He says, don't you worry about that. You know why? Because the God you serve, doesn't he take care of the birds? Aren't you more important then them turn to your neighbor and say, you're more important than a bird. That's good news for you today. If you don't get anything else, you're more important than a bird. He says, doesn't he, doesn't he take care of... Somebody just said it. You're more important than a bird. That's right. <laughs> doesn't he take care of the lilies? He says, so don't worry about all of that, but seek first the kingdom because our God is able to provide. 
And so we know that, you've heard that, we sang about Jireh, the great provider, but oftentimes what happens, we don't really believe it. Like we know, we know what, what you're supposed to say, but it's harder to live it when the finances aren't there the way you thought they would be. When they're not there the way you, they were supposed to be. When something happens and you're going, God, I need you to step in and I need you to provide. And one of the things I love about scripture is Jesus constantly is speaking into this. And, and, and he, he comes up with this principle and he, he talks about reaping and sowing that if you reap, if you reap, you'll reap sparingly if you sow sparingly. But if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. And so the way you know that you're really living out this faith and you really believe that God is able is that you're generous with what you have despite the fear of not having enough, right? Because this is what happens. Fear leads to greed, but faith leads to generosity. And when we're generous with what we have, Jesus says this. He says that this is a promise in scripture. He says this in a, let me think about it. It's a, 2 Corinthians 9, this is Paul. He says, our God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Somebody say, our God is able. He's able to save. And I know you've heard that song, Mighty to Save, but I know it's old, but it's true. Our God is able to He's able to save. Isaiah 59 says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. I love what the writer in Hebrews says in Hebrews 7. He says, Jesus lives forever, so therefore his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He leaves forever to intercede with God on their behalf, our God is able to say. And, and listen, I know for some of us, we have a hard time believing that, not only for ourselves, but for other people. There's people in your life that you're going, you know, I know I'm praying for them and like, I hope God can do it, but I don't ever see them turning around and I need to impart this into you. You need, don't, don't stop believing, don't stop praying, don't stop seeking God because God is able to save. Even in those darkest moments, even in addiction, even in anxiety, even in fear, even in the middle of a divorce, even in, the, in an affair, our God is able to save. And this past week, I was talking to a good friend of mine I haven't, haven't talked with in a few years. He's a, he's a hip-hop artist now. His name's Austin. And, uh, and we were talking on the phone and uh, texting back and forth, and he put something. It was about a post he, he wrote. And I just have to share it with you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. It's a little bit heavy. It's a little bit deep, but I want to go there today because I don't want to just, I don't want to just sugarcoat things with you and, and let's just all pretend like everything in life is okay. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this story that he shares publicly that I think is so powerful about how able our God really is. He says this, a friend of mine who is a, uh, he says on Wednesday night at 1028 PM, keep that in mind at 1028 PM, God put it on my heart to reach out to a friend as I was pulling out of a soccer game. He didn't answer. So I kept calling. One minute later, at 10.29, I received a text from him that said this. It's never goodbye, but just like I sent this message to everyone, I'm going to send this message to you as well. Here's the message. Hey, what's good, family? I know this message may feel awkward, but it's something I've been battling with my whole life. And to be honest with y'all, I really appreciate the love that each and every one of y'all has ever given me. And I say that from the bottom of my heart. But I've seen myself intentionally hurting or pushing everyone away so that I personally can take this road to face God alone. 
My message is to say this, that I hope everyone has a blessed life as mine is coming to an end as of right now. To my kids, oof. Dad loves you, and no matter the circumstances, I will always be watching over y'all as your guardian angel. Y'all mean the world to me, and just as I wish I could have done more for y'all, but unfortunately, my time's coming to an end, not because I wanted to neglect you, but because I felt like you would be better off without a dad. Whew. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Family and friends, I love y'all. And these may be my final words to say, see you later. Love and respect. Austin said, I kept calling him and I started trying to FaceTime him immediately. Finally, he picked up the phone and he was standing on a train track with a train approaching, getting ready to take his life. I told him, bro, you can't do it because God beat you to the punch. I called you a minute before you sent that text to me. And that was God's way of giving you a way out so lovingly and intentionally. So I invited him and his family over to my place to eat dinner that night. They came. And the next morning we ate breakfast together. The, the morning I showed him that the timestamps and the way that it happened. And it says that he was awestruck by God's miraculous timing. Out of the 1,440 minutes in a day, God had me call him within 15 seconds of taking his own life. Here's what he wrote. Even if you think you are alone and are ready to give up, God has a plan for your life that you don't see yet. All it takes is refusing to give up and continuing to trust God even when it's hardest. God loves you more than you know and is constantly reaching out in effort to connect with you. And I share that story with you because I don't know who this is for, but I came to tell somebody that our God is able. Our God is able to overcome addiction. Our God is able to overcome your depression. He's able to overcome your anxiety. He's able to overcome your fear. He's able to overcome the divorce. He's able to overcome your doubts. I don't care what you're going through. God is able to save. He is able to overcome. He is able to put the sin where it belongs. It says that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask, think, or imagine to the glory of our God. Come on, somebody. I, I, think we, I think we should give God a little hand clap of praise right now that he's able. He's able to save. I want you to get that in your spirit because for some of you, that's your story. And you've had those thoughts and you believe that lie that your kids would be better off without you. And you've been dealing with trying to win this war in your mind for the past seven weeks and you just feel like you're constantly losing. Can I just tell you, never give up because you have a God who is able to save. Amen. Not only is he able, they make this declaration and they say, we believe that he will deliver us from your hand. Write this down. He's willing. Not only is our God able, our God is willing. He's willing to save. He's willing to come down. It's not just that he's omnipotent. It's not just that he's all powerful. It's not just that he's omnipresent and he's everywhere always. But he is willing to leave heaven to come for you. He's willing to leave heaven for the person that is running away from him. Not only do we want to have an even if faith, we want to have an even if faith because we have an even if God. Even if you turn your back on him. Even if you fail. Even if 
you lie, even if you cheat, even if you still are God is willing to bankrupt heaven for you. Jesus says in John 10 that no one takes my life from me, but I willingly lay it down. Do you know why? Because he loves you. And I want you to get that today. Your God, this is the gospel. That when you couldn't get to God, that God came down to you. That he's not just able to deliver you, that he's willing to deliver you. That he willingly went to the cross, not just to die for your sins, but to, to die instead of you. We have a God who is willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. Even in your darkest moments. Even when you fail. I want you to know your God is able and your God is willing. But you know, they didn't stop there, did they? Because it's one thing just to say it, but it's another, it's another thing to show it, amen? And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just, in moments of great pressure, I don't wanna just say that I have faith. I wanna show that I have faith. I want my actions to back up my words. We have a God who is, who is willing and then they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, here's what we're going to tell you. Even if he don't, we ain't going to bow down. And my prayer for you is that when you're under pressure, you would not only believe that he is able and that he is willing, but even if he doesn't, you're not going to bow with Babylon. That you're going to declare with everything in you, even if. I'm still going to praise you. Amen. And here's what happens so often. The reason it's so hard for us to have this type of faith is because we allow our fear and our questions to get in the way. And when, what do you do? Let me, let me say it like, what do you do when God doesn't do what you believe he could do? What do you do when God doesn't behave the way you hoped he would behave. When God doesn't show up the way you know he could show up. And you're going, I'm, I believe he's able, I believe he's willing, but here's what happens. This is the transition. This is the moment where the enemy wants to step in and he causes you to ask this question and you start to go, well, what if? What if it, what if he doesn't? What if, what if it, it doesn't happen? How many of you have ever said that phrase, what if? And we live our lives going, what if, what if, what if, what if? Here's the problem. What if is a question of fear, but even if is a declaration of faith. And so you and I, as, as Christians, we don't want to just have these questions of what if. We want to make a declaration of even if. And what happens when we start asking the wrong questions, we start getting the wrong answer. And so that what if starts to creep in and you feel discouraged and discouraged leads to doubt. And when you start, when you start doubting the promise of God and the character of God, it will paralyze your decisions. You'll find yourself unable to move forward in faith. And so here's the question. Um, how can we develop an even if faith? How did they, how did they do that? How were they willing to, 
be thrown into the fire and lose their lives. How, how can we have a faith like and make declarations like what Paul said as we looked in Philippians where he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like just, it doesn't matter to me. The important thing is, is that Christ is preached. If you want to have an even if faith, write this down. You got to sit with someone. Turn to your neighbor next to you, the one you're sitting next to. Say, sit with someone. And, and here's why. Because who you sit with is who you talk like. Who you sit with is who you become like. Who you sit with is who you listen to. See, commitment always lasts better in community. When you study these, when you study these guys, you never see their name mentioned one time separate. Why? Because you aren't meant to do life alone. They were the first renovation group. Come on, somebody. <laughs> commitment lasts better in community. The reason for some of us that we continue to fail and we continue to fall is because we're not sitting with the right people. And so do you know the secret to having an even if faith? Community. Do you know the secret to having a healthy marriage? Community. Do you know the secret to having the right mindset? Community. Do you know the secret to raising godly kids? Community. Do you know the secret to never getting a cat? A dog. Community. How do you have an even if faith? You got to sit. You got to sit with someone. This is how they had their faith real because here's the thing. They sat with a guy named Daniel. And the way that they had the public victory is because they first won the private battles. So if you were to read back, what you would see is they were sitting with a guy named Daniel who earlier on there was a decree issued that they had to eat the king's food. But Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. I made a commitment before God. This is where we get the Daniel fast, by the way. And he says, we're not going to do it. And I tell you what. I know you think that if we don't eat your food, we won't be as strong as your men, but me, and then he pulls in his three boys, and these three, we ain't going to eat it. And let's give it a week or two, and after that, we're going to come back together, and we're going to see who's in the better shape. They, they sat with a guy who had an even-if faith. They didn't sit with a guy who had a counterfeit faith. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at a bank in Memphis, and he has become an expert at identifying counterfeit $100 bills. For whatever reason, they, they train their employees in this because for they, they, this particular bank, they constantly are getting people trying to come in with a fake $100 bill. And he said, do you know how I know what's counterfeit versus what's real? I said, no, tell me. He said, you know, I've never seen a counterfeit dollar since I've worked there, but I know how to recognize one. I said, how? He said, because in order to understand a counterfeit dollar, you never look at a counterfeit dollar because there's thousands of them I'd never be able to know. But what I did do and what they made me do is they gave me a $100 bill and I studied it, I looked at it, I felt it, I memorized it, I saw exactly what was on it, the feel, the shape, the, the texture, the, the band on it. I knew exactly where everything was. I looked at it so much so and I recognized what was real so it made it really easy to recognize what was fake. Can I just tell you, the way you have an even if faith is not by surrounding yourself and studying a bunch of counterfeit people who claim to follow Jesus. The way you have an even if faith is when you surround yourself with people who have an even if faith. Your community matters. And so you got to sit with someone. So who are you sitting with? Who's influencing you? Here's the second thing. You got to stand for something. You have to stand for something. 
Because if you fail to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You got to stand for your faith. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about going downtown with a, a picket sign and telling everybody they're going to burn in hell and disgracing the name of Jesus, by the way. I think we have a problem with that still. Maybe not, it doesn't look like that anymore, but maybe people are taking the stand for the wrong thing. And what we tend to do is we tend to judge people for the sin that we don't struggle with. We wanna, we wanna outcast people for their lifestyle that we would never understand, for their persuasion, for their, for maybe for their flavor of sin. Can I just tell you, I don't really care if you like chocolate or vanilla, they'll put weight on you the same way. At our church, I don't care what you struggle with. I don't care what you've done. All I know is that our God is able to save. And just like he was willing to go to the cross for me, he was willing to go to the cross for you. And just like I received his grace, you can receive his grace and you can be set free as well. There is no sin too, too powerful for our God. But you got to stand for something or you'll fall for everything. These guys took a stand publicly because they first learned how to sit Privately, Daniel was a man of prayer. In Daniel 6, what you would see is he would all, all the time, he said he had a daily habit of going up to his room three times a day and praying and thanking God. Oh, I wonder what would happen if we would stop praying like it's all we have left. Where when things hit the fan and we don't understand what's going on, we go, oh, I guess all I could do now is pray about it. As if God can't handle what you're going through. I wonder what would happen if we stopped praying like it was all we had left and we started praying like it's all we had to do. Because you never hear them ask that question, what if? They make the declaration, even if. And so not only do you got to sit with someone, you got to stand for something. And when you do, you'll be able to walk through anything. Because commitment lasts longer in community. You'll be able to walk through anything. And so I want to I finish today and I want to read this to you as we close. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown them into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot I don't like this room right now. Come on, somebody. We're going to work on it. So hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men? Weren't there three men that we thrown into the fire? That we tied up? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. I got news for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. It was the son of God because Jesus came down into the fire with him. And I came to tell somebody that I don't care what you're going through, God will come down and he will come into the fire with you and you will be able to walk through anything. That the weapon formed against you will not prosper, that the fire will not take you out, that when you have an even if faith, God steps in in the middle of everything you're going through and says, I'm gonna be there with you, amen? 
I want us to have this faith where we say, even if God doesn't do another thing, he has already done enough. Even if he doesn't change my circumstance, even if he doesn't change the situation, even if he doesn't answer the prayer I want him to answer, even if he doesn't show up the way I know he could, even if he doesn't show up the way I wish he would, here's what I know. Even if he doesn't, he's already done enough. If I, he never does another thing, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to pray to him. I'm still going to follow him. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to do it because our God is able. Amen. He's faithful. And so I want to encourage you to have an even if faith and what I love about this was that they, they were able to have this faith because they knew who they were. You see, what you may not know that I discovered this week is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't their real names. That was the name given to them by their enemy. Can I just tell you, we still have an enemy that wants to label you and define your life. And so he labels them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that wasn't their real names. Their real name, Shadrach's real name, was Hananiel. You know what that name meant? That Yahweh is gracious. Meshach's real name was Mishael. And the question was, who is like Yahweh? And Abednego was Enzil. And his name meant Yahweh has helped. Not that he will help, but that he has helped. So I want to encourage you today to have an even in faith. Because we have an even if God. We have an even if God. Even if you run, he's going to run after you. Even if you fail, he's going to forgive. Even if you lie, he's going to speak truth over you. Even when you sin, you have a savior that loves you anyway, who is able to rescue you, who is willing to rescue you. But can we just declare that even if he doesn't do another thing, he's already done enough. And what I love is that when they get out of this fire, the very chains that tied them up were burned off. And it says that they weren't burned. They had no hair on their head singed. Their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Did you know that no matter what you go through, when God gets you through the fire, he refines your faith. And you, you don't have to carry around yesterday's mistakes because you got today's new blessing. You got today's new mercy. You got today's new grace. So you don't have to be who you used to be. You don't got to smell like smoke. You can be set free. If you will, would you stand with me? And uh, I want to, I want to introduce you to this song that we wrote that's straight from scripture. And I know you haven't heard it, but you've heard it. Because the song really is just what I spoke. That he's able, that he's willing, but even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him. And today I don't want you to just in this moment sing this song as another song. I want this to become the cry of your heart as it's the declaration of our church. I want you to allow this to wash over you. Allow God's word to cleanse you because he loves you. And so right now, I'd love to pray for us as our team is going to lead us as we close service today. As we declare that God, you're able, you're willing, but even if you don't, we, me, this church is going to praise you. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.